Lord, I'm trusting you today to bring forth what only you can in every heart in this place. I thank you, Lord. You are here. You're in our midst, Lord. And God, I pray that your word would accomplish everything you desire it to accomplish, Lord. I trust you to lead and guide me, Lord. I trust that your heart will come forth this morning, Lord. It's really you we need to hear from. We don't need a man's wisdom or words, Lord. We need the Spirit of God to speak to us. And Lord, we need ears to hear. We need our understanding opened so we can receive what you have for us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help everyone here just to humble themselves, to come to your implanted word in meekness and receive it so it can save their souls. I pray against any hindrances in this place, Lord, starting with me and with anyone here, Lord, or any schemes or, or plans of the enemy. Lord, I thank you, as I said earlier, you have authority in this place. And just as you spoke and commanded when you walked this earth and demons submitted to you, and hearts were opened, and hearts were pierced, and the thoughts of men were revealed. Lord, I pray that same power, that same word would go forth this morning. We need you to speak, Lord. We need your word to do what only you can do, Lord. And I'm trusting you. I believe you that you're more than able to accomplish what is needed today, Lord. So, God, we thank you. Bless your word to our hearts this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to be mostly in the book of Ephesians. I'm pretty much uh, going to look at the whole book of Ephesians. So put your seatbelts on. Did this go off? I don't hear it. We did a study in uh, Ephesians probably about six years ago, almost six years ago now, and uh, it was a blessing to go through that. And I was reading this week in, second, uh, in the second chapter of Ephesians, and it was one verse that stood out to me that I'm going to kind of be looking at, and it kind of ties in with 2 Corinthians 5, 17. But it's basically, you know, that we are a new creation. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. And it speaks about the gospel. It speaks about what happens when someone is truly born again. And my fear is, is that because maybe not only here in America, but in many places, the gospel has been so watered down I think we really don't believe what God has promised to do through the gospel. And so Paul is writing to a people in Ephesus that basically don't understand how much riches they have in Christ, how much God actually did for them through the work of the cross. And they're living with all these riches, with all these resources of heaven at their taking 
and yet they're living like paupers. They're living way below what the gospel has promised to do. And my fear is that all of us settle for way less than what the gospel has promised to do. So my heart, and I believe God's heart for you today, is to encourage you, first of all, to help you to believe him, to lay hold of what he's already promised, what he's already accomplished, and to begin really just walking in it and letting God do in you what he's already accomplished on the cross. That's one group. There's another group that maybe you prayed a prayer at one time in your life. Maybe you've heard the gospel. Maybe you have tried in the flesh to follow God. But really, the reality is you've never truly been born again. The Spirit of God's not dwelling in you. So you're trying to do this Christian thing or follow God in the flesh, and it's not working. And God wants to help you with that condition as well. So I want to pose a question before we start today. Who here has been born again? Okay, that should be an immediate. Yep, because the Spirit of God in you should bear witness that you are a child of God. So if you have been born again, you are a new creation. Behold, all things are made new. All things have passed away. You are a new creation. I want that to get in you today. You are a new creation. You're not who you were. You're something else. Jesus talked about being born again. He said in John 3, 3, to a Pharisee, to a religious man, he said, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Cannot. I don't care how perfectly you follow religion, how perfectly you try to follow the law. Unless you are born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Down in verse 5, he said, I say to you, unless one is born of water, talking about natural birth, and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So this idea of being born again is extremely important, and it's extremely important for us to understand what that really means and what it should look like in the life of someone that's been born again. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Something has occurred inside of that person. Something has been created by the Spirit of God. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So if you've been born again, I'm going to pray the same prayer that Paul prayed. For those at Ephesus who were in the faith, who were born again, but were living like paupers, not understanding the reality of the riches of Christ that was at their disposal. So he says, therefore, in verse 15 in Ephesians 1, I also, 
After I heard of your faith in the Lord and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I want you to know I pray for you this way. All of you. I pray for myself this way. Because I understand unless God opens up your understanding, unless God helps us, we're not going to understand. And Paul understands that. It's a spiritual thing. That God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Revelation in the knowledge of him. That's not something mentally where we come to know something. It's a spiritual awakening. It's a revelation given by God by the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle of miracles, really. <clears throat> that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You hear what he's saying, that you would know what's already been purchased for you. It's a guarantee. Your inheritance in Christ. Everything he's purchased for you. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? His power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. I, I want to say something to some of you that are tired. You're tired of the struggle. You're tired of going around the same mountain. You're tired. Why is it so hard? It's hard because you're trying to do it in the flesh. It's hard because you're not walking in the spirit. You're not relying on his mighty power. You're not walking in faith in what he did. You're trying to do it in your own strength. So of course you're wore out. Of course it's hard. Of course it feels like you're not getting anywhere. You can't live out the Christian life in the flesh but he's promised you his mighty power to do it. You know, he has ways of reminding us of that, that we need his power. It's usually when we come to an end of ourselves. Why does it take that? Why does it take us to get to the end of ourselves or to have a situation where we utterly fail to say, God, I need you. I'll keep that to myself. Which he worked in Christ. That's the key phrase right there. How did it happen? How do we have the power? Who, how, who did it? Which he worked in Christ. Get that in your heart, that he worked it all in Christ. Jesus did everything. He did everything. He provided everything. It's through what he did, we have everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. That he worked in Christ 
when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. We, need, we really need to get Christ in his proper place in our minds. Seated in the heavenly, seated at the right hand of God, not hanging on a cross. He's not hanging on a cross. He rose from the dead. He is in a place of power and authority. He's ruling and reigning. And he's going to come back one day. And he's going to recreate everything. There will be a whole new creation, and the whole creation is groaning for that day. He put all things under his feet and gave to him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And that's going to be important later. We, the church, we, his people, God's plan, God's desire is that all of his fullness would dwell in us and through us as a display of his glory to a lost and dying world. That's what his creation does. It glorifies him. And we have been made new creations. So we're going to focus really on chapter 2 here, but chapters 1 through 3, Paul is, again, trying to help them in their ignorance of the wealth that they have in Christ. And then we see from 4 to 6, he's basically showing them what that looks like, how it's lived out in the life of a believer. So my encouragement to you is read the whole book of Ephesians. After this message, if you want to get anything out of it, you have to go home. You have to get in the word for yourself. You have to read through that whole book over and over and over and over again until it gets in you until faith begins to arise and you start really believing it. It's not going to happen any other way. It's not going to happen in an hour here on Sunday. You might get stirred a little. You might be, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I believe that. And tomorrow it'll, you'll forget all about it. And we'll see later the importance of building up our faith. And why so many live defeated, wimpy, anemic Christian lives. They don't have faith. They don't see God in his true place of authority. They don't understand what's already there available for them to live out this Christian life. So let me start here in Ephesians 2. Uh, verse 1. This is describing, so he's describing here basically, or helping them understand, this is what happened to you. When you were born again, this is what happened. So this is just a reminder for all of us. If you're born again today, this is what happened to you, okay? He made you alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. 
You were dead. You were a corpse. You were a walking corpse. Spiritually, you were dead, and he made you alive. That's what it means to be born again. Created. There was nothing there. There was a void inside. You were empty, and God saw the void, and he spoke into it, and life was created. It's the same word that he used to create the worlds. When he made you a new creation, he spoke life, and life sprung up inside of you, and you were made alive. And then it says, you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now work, works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, just like the others. That was our life. All we knew was the earthly. All we knew was natural desires and impulses. All we knew was to go after what this life had to offer. That's all we understood. We thought that's what life was. But God, but God, hallelujah, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, he didn't leave you in that condition. Ever since the garden, man groped in the dark, looking for what was void inside, not understanding they needed God. But God, but God who's rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Hallelujah. We need to really, sometimes you, you get frustrated because you feel like, like there's no human words to express the magnitude of what is being talked about here. We taste it a little bit, like what that's like, what that means, because we experience that new life, right? We, we know a little bit what it's like, but we've just scratched the surface, trust me of this new life and the actual hope and where we're headed and all the realities of what God has actually done for us. To be in Christ, to be raised together with him, to, to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And it's all by grace, it says. By grace, you've been saved. You didn't do it. You were saved by faith. He did it all. He did everything. And you, what you're going to see in a little bit here is the same faith that saved you is the same faith that enables you to live as a new creation. You can't do it in the flesh. Raised us up together. Made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So 
when you're tired, when you're weak, when you're frustrated, you need to fall down, you need to come back to the foot of the cross, and you need to start thanking Jesus that he did what you couldn't do, and he does what you can't do. And just start thanking him. And just start appropriating it by faith and then asking him to give you what you don't have in yourself. It's the same faith that you had to express when he saved you. It's no different. And then you got to step out and walk in it. It's the gift of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So I want to look at verses 6 and 7, just the reality of he's raised us up together. He's made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2.12 talks about this a little bit. It says, by faith, we're buried with him in death. When we get saved, we are basically embracing his death. That's what it means when we get baptized. That's what we're professing to the world. That I understand now. I understand my condition. I understand my need for him. I understand that he is my life now and I am forsaking my life in this world so I can have the real thing. So I am choosing by faith to die with him. Romans says it this way, I reckon myself dead. It's all faith. I'm dead. I've died. I don't live no longer. It's Christ now who lives in me. By faith we were buried into the death of Christ, and we are risen with Christ. We are risen as new creatures to walk with the risen Christ with our minds on heavenly things. And Colossians 3 bears this out. So if we're born again, you understand our whole perspective changes, our whole reason for living, our whole purpose, our whole meaning for life, everything we pursue, everything we seek after now is somewhere else other than this world. A new creation, people, involves every aspect of our lives. If you are born again, it affects every aspect of your life. It's not just a little alteration to your life where now you, you go to church and you, you do some Christian things. It affects everything. It's radical. Everything all passes away from your old life. We talk sometimes, my wife and I, and I'll even see pictures of myself, and I'm like, who is that guy? That's another life. That's passed away. I don't even remember that anymore. It's like it was another life. It should be that way when we're born again. Not just an add-on, not just a little alteration to my life. God totally transformed you. Being born again is to be made new, made alive in Christ, raised up with him. So Colossians 3 says, if then, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not the things of the earth. You died, remember? 
for you died. He's saying it like a matter of fact. You, you died. And now your life is hidden in Christ. It's not you who lives anymore. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. I'm just passing through here. I'm just a stranger. I'm just a pilgrim. I'm just passing through. I'm groaning. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to be with him for all of eternity. Our heart, if we're born again, our hearts should be crying every day, come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, come. We should be like Paul. I just want to be with him. I just want to be, okay, if I got to be here for a little while, okay, if need be, to glorify you, to share with you. But God, I just want to be with you. I want to be where I belong, where my true citizenship is now. I have a new citizenship. Therefore, when you understand this, when you are living this way, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves also once walked. He's saying the same thing that Paul said in Ephesians. You once walked that way. That's what you used to be. You were just like the world. You were just like those rushing to hell. That was your old life. But you're not that person anymore. So quit living that way. Deny the flesh. Don't do what you used to do. Put it away from you. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. That's the new creation. The new man that you and I can put on and it's Christ. As the elect of God, holy, beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint with one another, even as Christ has forgiven you, so you must do. If you're born again, this is not optional. It just isn't. If you've truly been born again, these are not options. This is what happens. This is what you want to do because the Spirit of God in you compels you to love as you were loved. And he says, as Christ forgave you, you must do. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Our brother prayed earlier. And I couldn't help but think about Jesus' prayer that we would be one. And that by our love, the world would know that he's come. And you look at the church, and it doesn't look like we're, we're too much in unity, right? So how many are really born again? Because if we're born again, we're all born of the same spirit. There's one spirit, there's one faith, there's one baptism, right? So why all the division? Because there's still a lot of flesh, and there's still a lot of pride. 
And there, there needs to be a lot of humbling and reminding ourselves who it is that we're all to focus on, who it is we're all to be living for, who it is we're all supposed to emulate and follow and act like. Because we've been created and we're being conformed to his image. Not the image of a denomination, not the image of this person or that person. To Jesus, we're being conformed to his image. And if we walked more like Jesus, there'd be more unity. And the world would know that he's truly come. And that's my prayer. But we have to embrace our death to do that. Let the peace of God rule in your heart to which you are also called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. Whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And now I'll go back to Ephesians, verse 10. Why? Because you're his workmanship. That's why. I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God pre prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, this isn't talking about Oh, what call does God have on my life? Oh, where does he want to send me? That's not what this is talking about. It's, it's mainly talking about a godly life and the fruits of the Spirit, walking in love and forgiveness, walking as Christ and loving as he loved, forgiving. It, it's all the things he covers somewhat in the rest of the book of Ephesians. When he talks about, you have not so learned Christ, that we should walk in the light, you know, that we should, you know, Children, you should honor your parents. You should obey your parents. Husbands, you should love your wives. Wives, you should submit to your husband. It goes through all the different aspects of life. It's talking about how we live and how we honor Christ with our life. Showing we've been made a new creation. We're his workmanship. Verse 1 through 9 shows us our salvation is of grace, not of works. It's the entrance to being born again, solely by faith. He's already accomplished that for us. But now he's showing us the effects of that grace. And uh, Titus 2 talks about it. In, in verse 11, it says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Zealous for good works. Speak these things. Exhort, rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. We're new creations. If we are in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things 
have become new. So what does that mean? I'm in Christ. What does that mean? It gives us a picture of that in John chapter 15. We understand to be in Christ means to be united to him by faith. Or to be in him like John 15 talks about as a branch is to the vine. That's what it means to be in Christ. We were detached. We, we were a branch. We were dead. We were cast out. That's what happened in the fall. That's why humanity without Christ walks around like a corpse. They're a branch. They can't bear fruit to God. There's nothing there. There's no life. But when we're born again, what happens? We're reconciled. The branch is put back in the vine. And John 15 shows us that when we're abiding, when we're in Christ, something happens. That life begins to flow into the branch. And that branch begins to produce something, fruit, for the glory of God. Proving something has been created. Every branch of me, he says in John 15, 2, we are in Christ just like that branch. John 15, 4, he says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. So I'll go back now to are you tired? Are you straining? Are you frustrated? Because maybe you see a lack of fruit in your life. You feel like you're going around the same mountain in certain areas of your life. Are you tired of that? Just come to Jesus. Just, just come to an end of yourself. And, and the same faith that you came when you got saved, come to him like the branch and the vine. And by faith, understand that he's the vine. He has what I need. And if I simply humble myself and, and, and do what he says and and step out in faith. He's going to give me what I need. He's going to produce in me what I can't produce. Now, I found that out the other day pretty quickly. We'll quickly find out whether or not we're abiding. We just will. Um, I won't get into the details, but um, I just got in the flesh. You know, something happened, and I just got in the flesh, and I really blew it, you know, and my mouth went off, and I got so mad, I threw my phone, you know, dealing with these, these I don't mean the, these Indian people on the phone, you know, in other countries, that, and I'm trying to deal with this thing, and, and it's a scammer, and I find out later it's a scammer, and I got so mad, I took my phone, I threw it into the chair, and, and my, Rose just started praying for me, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Why am I letting this get me so upset? And then God led me to this passage. And he basically was dealing with me with about, Jeff, you're in the flesh. You're not resting in me. You're not in that abiding place with me. You need to humble yourself. You need to repent. And you need to come back and let me give you what you need. You know, I had no peace. I was all upset. If you don't have peace, if you don't have joy, it's because you're not abiding in him. 
You're not resting in the finished work of Christ. He wants you to come to him. If you're, you're weary and labor, uh, labor and weary laden, whatever, what does he say? Come to me. Come to me. I'll give you rest. Enter my yoke. Get, get in the yoke with me. Get back attached with me. I have what you need. Just get in the yoke with me. And that's all I had to do. It was simple. And then you're like, man, Lord, why, why does it take stuff like this to remind me I need you? I really need him. You really need him. To be born of the Spirit is to be a new creation. And you know, when we think about creation, we were reminded of the garden when God created everything. Romans 1 says this about the creation of the world. In verse 20, it says, Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, all, all creation was to reflect his glory. So when the Bible says we are a new creation, when we're born again, our lives should be reflecting that glory. We were created for that purpose, made in his image likeness, right? And the fall severed that. We fell out of that. Now we've fallen. But when we're born again, we're brought back. We're being conformed back into that image likeness. He came back to, get, to graft us back into the vine, to reconcile us. So I want you to remember this. So he, he, he finishes the chapter, chapter 2 here, basically reminding them again. He says, therefore, remember that you, Gentiles, in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made by the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Remember that. That's what you were. That's what we all were. Without God, we had no hope. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off were brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one. It's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. He made one, one body, has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create for himself one new man from the two thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. And he came and he preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. And it's through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. You are not of this world any longer. This is not your home. This is not my home. We're citizens of another country now. 
citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being joined together, grows into a holy temple in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. A new creation. A new creation. He says in Ephesians 1.12, we who first trusted, trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In other words, to make known God to those around us. So as his people, as the visible church, we are to make him known. We're new creation. We're created to walk in his righteousness, to, we, in the works that he has prepared for us. So when the works of God and the nature of God are demonstrated through his people, through his church, he is glorified. So I want to finish with this, okay? Just as we needed faith for salvation, we need faith to live as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Romans 10, 17 tells us, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's talking about the gospel. and That's how you came to God. You heard the word of God. You heard the gospel. The Holy Spirit by grace, opened up your understanding. There was something in you that was able to receive that word, that embraced that light when it came, and you chose to believe it. You put faith in what God had promised through the work of the cross, and you were saved. You were born again, and God came to live inside of you. And that faith is the beginning of a journey. Paul talks about it many times as a race something we compete in, something we run. It's a course of life. And we have to endure to the end. And we have to keep building up our faith. So just as we need a faith for salvation, we need faith to live as a new creation in Christ. 1 Peter 2 says in verse 2, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So how do I grow in my faith? I get in the word of God for myself. I feed on it. I drink it. Just like a baby drinks milk. No one can do this for you. If you're in a Bible study at church, and you're not doing what's asked of you when you go home, you're not getting what God wants to give you out of that Bible study. You're just not. You know, I, I had this thought in my mind. Jesus is a good shepherd. He really is. And, you know, I want to be a good shepherd. I want, as a shepherd, as God has put me up here to hopefully lead you to him. You know, that's my job to lead you to him, not me, not a place, to lead you to Jesus, to show you where to go so you'll be healthy, so you'll be all that God wants you to be. So we read in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means he has everything I need, but it also talks about him leading me. He leads us. Where? Green pastures. 
still waters. What good is it if a shepherd leads sheep to nice green grass and nice water and they don't eat the grass and they don't drink the water? What good is it? Does he kneel down and force feed the sheep? Sometimes you need to. No, you have to drink. You have to eat. Could you survive on one meal a week? Could you? Maybe. I don't know. For a little bit. He's a doctor. Not without water, right. Okay. So if you're just relying on when you're in church to eat, you know, I've heard that from people that have left. Well, I'm not getting fed. Okay. Yes, you are. You're being fed real well. Problem is you're not eating when you go home. That's the problem. You got to eat every day. Sometimes three times a day if you want to be healthy. Right? No one can do this for you. No one can do this for you. If you are living your faith like a pauper, it's because you're not reminding yourself. You're not renewing your mind with the Word of God every day. So God's very small. He's, he's not very real to you. Everything else is more real. That's what happens. You lose sight. You forget. We have to be in the Word of God every day, and no one can do that for you. Faith has to be cultivated. John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Becoming a new creation is to be united with God. It, it's that relationship. It's that abiding. It's to know him. It it's, talks about, speaks of intimacy, of relationship. You're not going to know him. If you don't spend time with him, you're not going to know him if you don't converse with him. Jesus and the Father are one, and he wants that for us. When you look at Jesus and his life when he was here on earth, we see many times him getting away from all the distractions. It says in the morning, having arisen a long time before daylight, he went out to a solitary place and he prayed. It says he went out to the mountains to pray and, and he continued sometimes all night in prayer to God. He often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. If you're not withdrawing from your busy life, you're not going to have the faith to believe God for what you need to live out the Christian life. You're not going to be exemplifying what a new creation really should look like. You're going to be anemic. You're not going to be healthy. You might have little scampy fruit here and there, if anything, but you're not going to be a vibrant branch with nice, luscious fruit that glorifies God, that, that is a witness to everyone around you, that you truly are alive, that something has occurred in your life. 
that you're not the old person you used to be. There's something new, a new creation. Something has happened in your life. <clears throat> if we're not spending quality time in prayer, in the word, in his presence, we will be barren in the area of faith. We need to build up ourselves on our most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. I have to do that a lot. I need to be edified in the presence of God. It helps me. We need to increase our faith by living a set-apart life. We used to go the way of the world. That was our old life. We used to go the way of the course of this world. We used to live our lives that way. But now we're a new creation. We're supposed to be living for something else. We shouldn't be entangled in the things of this world. We shouldn't be looking to the same things that those that are still lost look to for entertainment, for joy, for happiness. We should be living separate lives. You know what happens? If you spend a little time with God and a lot of time in the things of this world, everything you did with God is gone. It just gets drained out by the world, sucked out. We need to be setting our mind on the things above, Amen. not the things on the earth, right? If you were raised with Christ, Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not the things on earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ. Again, we're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. He talks about that in Ephesians 2, right? We once... We're dead. We once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. If we could rip the mask off the world and see it for what it is, we would be horrified. It is so anti-God. It is so evil. Words cannot even properly describe it, but yet... There's still something in us that looks to it, that at times is at ease in the atmospheres of it. That in itself should be a red flag to us. That in itself should be a warning to us that we've lost sight, we've forgotten. We've forgotten we're a new creation. We've forgotten that we've been bought with a price. We've forgotten that our citizenship is not here in this world. We've forgotten that God has us here for his purpose, that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we're here to glorify him. And light has no fellowship with darkness. Zero. I'm tempted to play something for you. I was really struggling with this, but I might do it. And I'm going to have to play it off my phone into a mic. And I think I'm going to finish with it. And I'm just warning you, 
it's pretty hard. Um, it's a man named Leonard Ravenhill. It's what preaching used to be like. It was when people understood what it really meant to be born again. And, and so I'm gonna, I think I'm going to end with that. And this is all I want to say to you, okay, before I end. Um, those of you that are born again, I want to encourage you. If you know you've been born again, I just want to encourage you to start building up your faith. You are going to have to make choices. I said before we started today, don't leave here the same. Do not leave here the same. There is no reason for any of us to live on the plane that we're living. God has called us. He has created us in Christ for good works. He has a plan for our lives. He wants to use us in such a greater way. He wants to manifest himself through our lives. But we are going to have to start choosing what we feed. Either our faith or our flesh. And to the degree you are walking in faith is the degree God is going to be able to manifest that new creation through your life. Listen, he is constantly dealing with me. So I want you to understand, this is nothing that I don't deal with myself. But, but what, I, what I sense is it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And it's because of the days we're living in. And God is really trying to help us. And I'm telling you, we are going to have to really be walking in faith to stand, to walk, to, to be the effective witnesses God wants us to be. We are going to have to really sit down and examine our lives and decide what are we really living for? What are we really using our time for? If we really want to be in the faith, this is important. And then after this clip, if you're sitting in here, I don't care if someone told you you were saved. I don't care if you prayed a prayer at one time of your life. But after listening to that, if you're not sure you're truly born again, you need to just come in faith and give your life to God today and let him make you a new creation. Because if you're a new creation, everything changes. And if everything hasn't changed, then you have to question if you've truly been born again. Now, there's still hope. You're still breathing. So after this plays, this altar is going to be open, okay? And if you need to be born again, you need to come down here and give your life to God. You need to surrender. It doesn't work any other way. It's not just praying a little prayer. That is such a lie from the pit of hell. You have to put your faith, you have to put your trust in him. You have to believe him to make you a new creation. You have to lay your life at his feet and surrender it. You won't experience new life if you don't do that. You will remain dead in your sins if you don't reckon yourself dead with Christ if you want to be raised with him. But the promise is he will make you a new creation. He will, listen, he will change Every, he will set you free. He will give you soundness of mind. He will give you the peace you're looking for and everything else. He'll give you true joy that the world can't give you. So if you're tired, if you're tired, come to Jesus today. 
do not leave here the same. And it's going to mean when you get up from this altar, making some changes in your life and, and coming under people that are, that are willing to help you and walk alongside of you. It's not going to happen any other way. And there are people here that will do that. God is here to help you. There's no excuse for anyone here. All right, now I'm going to have to uh, find this. Yeah. Sorry, this is one of those things where you just trust the Holy Spirit. Let me make sure I get the right one. Just listen to this, okay? Please, just take this to heart because we don't hear preaching like this anymore. Someone like this would be ostracized, probably driven out of most churches. But this is how preaching used to be done in America. We don't hear this anymore, and that's why the church is in the state it's in. That's why people have a false sense that they're really saved and they're not. of the people in the nation are not saved. They claim to be. When I went to an altar and I confessed my sin, fine, fine. That's what the preacher said. You confess your sins and you confess them. Do you know they did that in every Roman Catholic church in the country last Sunday? A man needs more than, than to be forgiven. He needs cleansing. He needs more than cleansing. He needs indwelling. He needs more than indwelling. He needs enduring. If I were to ask you tonight, you're saved, do you say, yes, I'm saved? When? Oh, so-and-so preached, I got baptized, I'm saved. Are you saved? What are you saved from? Hell? Are you saved from bitterness? Are you saved from lust? Are you saved from cheating? Are you saved from lying? Are you saved from bad manners? Are you saved from rebelling against your parents? Come on, what are you saved from? I'm not asking you tonight, did you one night kneel down and make confession, and after that your life was no change, your lifestyle was no different, your appetites were no different, your prayer life was no different? Come on. Isn't it offensive to say to people, listen, you may be a genius. You have a colossal intellect. You, if you fall out of bed, you invent something. But do you know right in the sense of you, you're dead because you have no living relationship with God. Now, there are two kinds of people in the world, only two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor. There are those who are dead in sin and there are those who are dead to sin. If I say most people are half saved, will you, you know what I mean? I mean this, you go to the cross, but you never get on the cross. You go and get your sins forgiven and feel happy, and you go do the same lousy thing again the next day. Come on, what kind of a salvation is that? The miracle of the new birth is this, that when a man is really born, when he gets this life, he doesn't want that life. Okay, so Paul says, if you are risen with Christ, or you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, which were, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. 
Set your affection on things above, not things on the... Come on, come on, come on, you fellas now. Okay, you're saved. And yet I guess you talk all about baseball and you talk about Jesus. Is that right? Hmm? Do you know how you need entertainment? Or any of us. You only need entertainment when you've lost the joy of the Lord. Listen, are you just a Sunday morning Christian? You live and move and have your being in Jesus Christ every waking moment of your life? Has he got your thinking? But look at his figure for a moment. Here is a man stretched on a cross. As soon as that man is nailed to the cross, he has no rights of his own. You can take a bucket of filth and throw it over him. You can take a stick, if you like, and break his legs. You can have a game of pitching rocks and you knock his right eye out. I'll knock his left eye out and so forth. He's no right. He can be battered and bleeding and broken. I remember going to India. There were bees, there were birds that were this height from the ground. They have about an eight-foot wingspan. They keep their necks in until they fly, and then out comes this long neck with no feathers. They look hideous. They beaks, oh, they must be this length, huge curved things. You know what they do? They go onto the arms of the cross as the light comes up, daylight. And those big hideous things reach down and peck out the eyes if they're still there, and they tear the body. And it becomes bloody and the entrails run out of the man and the blood runs on the ground and the dogs come out of the city to drink of the blood. Even a woman who saw a son or a husband crucified would never go back in the morning. You didn't see a woman with her arms around a bleeding, horrible, wretched form of a man saying, Darling, I love you. And Paul says that's what the world is to me. It's a system of corruption and rottenness and vileness. It's anti-Christ from the world go. Is the world crucified to you tonight? Or does it fascinate you? Oh, I'm coming down the line. I mean, Jesus isn't looking for some sissies to serve him. He's looking for some men with guts and men with grace and men with determination. You still comfortable to sit in the ballpark and say, here, somebody take the name of Jesus in vain? Look, if you haven't got hold of this, get hold of it now. You can't impress God. Let me tell you this. An experience of God that costs nothing, does nothing. And it's worth nothing. What the church has had in the last 25 years has not moved this nation or this world to God. It's time for something new. And God wants some men who are really drunk, intoxicated with the Spirit of God, who have a love life with the Lord Jesus, that He can ask anything of you and He'll do it. Well, how many of you guys are eaten up with lust? Hmm? You women eaten up with jealousy, with pride. Or is it just chronic laziness? You've no appetite for this love letter of God's. You know, I hear people go to conferences, meetings, and they say, boy, that was good. Boy, were we challenged. Every meeting, we were challenged. And the question isn't, were you challenged? The question is, were you changed? I'm going to ask you simply, a simple question tonight. How many of you are here tonight? You've come from many parts, and I'm, not, I'm asking you to keep your eyes closed, not look around. How many of you say tonight, I, I, I do not know that Christ lives in me. Christ is not indwelling me. I know that. Listen, for those of us, we know we're born again. God is calling us to step up our game. And as your pastor, um, like I said, uh, God dealt with me. He keeps dealing with me about stepping up my game, redeeming the time, and doing the things I need to be doing. 
You know, we're praying for revival. We're believing God to move. We're believing God for souls. It's not going to happen if we are not walking in that intimacy and the faith that God is, is wanting us to have in him. And that's only going to come when we get radical about our choices and what we're doing with our time, how we're living our lives. We're a new creation. The gospel changes everything about who we are. And what's real to me right now is it's like God is saying to you, I have so much more for you. Why are you settling for where you're living? Why are you settling for that? It's not, it's not a, a, a loss or it's not a sacrifice, really. It's, it's something we gain when we start making those choices. So I just want to encourage you, please, whatever it's going to take, whether you, you, you go to someone here in the church and say, I need help, I need accountability, I'm weak, I, I just, I'm not consistent, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm... We need to do this collectively. We need to go after God collectively in a greater way. We need to be praying like never before. We need to be in the word like never before. We need to be believing God and stepping out in faith and really believing him to give us what we don't have in ourselves and quit questioning him and simply appropriate by faith what he's already done for us. So I want to encourage you all that I know you're born again, there's no question, but we're settling for a meek existence when there's something so much greater. Just go after God. Just go after him. Now, for the other group that's here, I'm going to pray. And if you're not sure... We're talking about eternity. It, like, if you're not sure, we're talking about eternity. Is it worth losing your soul because you, you're worried about what someone thinks? Lord, I pray you would bring down pride in this room. Lord, I pray right now, God, that just like you humbled us, that came to you, Lord. We can all remember the day you finally broke through, Lord, and helped us. And we bowed the knee to you, Lord. And we still have to come to that place many times, Lord. Just flinging ourselves at your feet and begging you for mercy. God, I pray right now for any here, Lord, that you drew into this building this morning, God. You love them. You've been pursuing them. You've reached out your hand, but Lord, they really haven't taken your hand. They haven't surrendered. You're not leading their life. They're trying to live out this Christian faith in the flesh. And Lord, I just pray right now for conviction. Conviction that only you could do. I pray right now that your hand would be heavy upon their hearts, Lord. Don't give them any rest, Lord. And I pray that your spirit would draw them to you, Jesus. You're here, Lord. You're saying, come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. So if you're here today, you're not sure 
you don't see evidence of a new creation. Yeah, maybe God's given you some experiences. You've had some things happen. But overall, when you look at your life, you know. You know. Just like I knew many years ago. I knew. If that's you, that it doesn't have to remain that way. God can save you to the uttermost. All he's asking is that you come to him this morning, that you humble yourself and say, Jesus, I need you, Lord. I need you to really come into my life. I, I want to surrender to you. I'm not going to resist you anymore. I want to put my trust in you today fully. I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. I'm going to come under the people you put in my life. I want to surrender to you, Lord. I want to die to myself today so I can truly have life in you. This altar's open. God, that you would have mercy, Lord. That, Lord, you would reach them before it's too late. I know, God, you'll pursue them till their dying breath, Lord. And I'm trusting you, Lord, to bring about what only you can, Lord. Give them no rest, Lord. Help them, Lord, to just embrace your truth. Help them not to resist the truth, Lord. I just commit it to you, Lord. I commit them to you, Lord. And Lord, for us that know you, Lord, I pray we would go from this place fixing our eyes on you, Lord, determined to make those difficult choices, Lord, to do what is ever necessary in our lives, Lord, so that we can walk more in the fullness of what you've already purchased for us on the cross, Lord, so that we can be the witnesses, the new creation, the displays of your glory, Lord, to a perishing world. So God, I pray as we wake up tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, Lord, you would not leave us alone, that you would pursue us, Lord, that you would woo us and call us, Lord, and we would respond to you, Lord. We would do the things that are necessary so that our faith can increase, Lord, so that we can learn to walk by faith and be all that you've called us to be, Lord, to walk in the works that you've already created for us. So I thank you, Lord. And I'm believing you to do that for everyone here that knows you, Lord. Bring us into that greater reality, Lord, what has already been accomplished for us, Lord, and help us to walk in it. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name.